Hey everyone, welcome back to Sin Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we are in Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3 reads, Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with a withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, or to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with Herodians against him, how to destroy him. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. And when the great crowd heard all he was doing, they came to him. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had disease pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach, and to have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who would betray him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He's out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He's possessed by Beelzebul. And by the prince of demons he cast out the demons. And he called them to him and said them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if his house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan is risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods, unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house." Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven for the children of man, and whatever blasphemes they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Today we have the privilege of having Chad McKinley, who serves here at Ascend, is the Director of Discipleship to be our guest. And so Chad has been attending Ascend for about 10 years, and five of those years he's been on staff here. And so Chad, take it away and share with us the nugget of truth that you have from Mark chapter 3 for us. All right, well, I'm excited to be able to just share just a few nuggets of wisdom from Mark 3. It's a really interesting book because he's so brief, so to the point that sometimes, as you read it, you really can miss that Mark does have an overall purpose. And even as we consider this chapter, you see an overall purpose that as Christ is entering into his ministry, as he's doing these works, is that what you continually see is him doing amazing things, really showing the fact that he is God, he has authority, he is working, yet in all these things you're seeing a resistance that's actually coming to him and there's obstacles that are put in his place. And so one particular obstacle, I mean, you you read through it, you can see like even the man who has a withered hand, 
as Jesus heals him, you see a resistance uh, from the Pharisees because of what he healed on the Sabbath. And then you kind of go on to the crowds and you see that they were coming upon him and how, you know, these demon-possessed people are claiming, like, he is the Son of God. Like, you see the demons are actually acknowledging who he is. Well, you think, well, that's great. Well, no, because that's the resistance that would come from that is eventually what is going to come. He's named as being possessed by Satan or doing the work of Satan. And so you see kind of that resistance. But one of the ones that's interesting is as you look at the 12 disciples, and he calls the 12 disciples, is that in verse 20, he says, They went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. In verse 21, And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. What's incredible about this is, we talk about Christ, and how he grew up, and grew up perfect, in complete obedience. I mean, Mary had spoke with an angel who was calling him the son of God. And yet what you see in this is that even the family resistance that Jesus was experiencing within his ministry. And you continue to see that. And that's really like if you jog down to verse 31 to 33, you see that his mother, again, Mary, one who's with him at the end at the crucifixion, staying beside him, is with his brothers. And they standing outside, they sent to him and called him. He could say like, oh, that's great. His family showing up, want to hang out, want to spend time together. But again, you can't divorce it from the context that his family was thinking he was out of his mind and they wanted to take him home basically and say, dude, you got this all wrong. Like you're, you're crazy. And so when they come is he obviously sees the motivation, understands the heart motive. And so how does Jesus answer when they're saying, hey, your brothers, mother and brothers are outside? He goes, who are my mother and my brothers. And looking about and those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. What we have to be reminded from this passage is that as you glorify God, as you do the works that he is calling you to, the steps of obedience and faithfulness, is that you're going to face resistance. That oftentimes people expect that, hey, I'll do what God wills for me and it'll make my life easy. And what you see from this passage, it doesn't. All along the way, Christ and his full manifestation of who he is, doing amazing works, helping, healing people as he's facing resistance along the way. And so that's where it's a call for us to be reminded, hey, we, we need to persevere. We need to be focused to Stay on steadfast because it could be your close friends who resist you. It could be your family who resist you. It could be people unexpected in your life, teachers, whatever it may be, or could resist what you are trying to do as you think through living out the gospel, speaking the gospel, and really trying to glorify God. And so we should be discouraged by that, but reminded that Christ faced the same thing And we have this great sympathizer who will actually walk up with us through it. That's great, Chad. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. 
I appreciate so much of what you've said there, especially taking the explanation of what's going on in this passage and then giving us the application of how that applies to our life. And so as we see Jesus experience resistance, we as his followers should understand, hey, that resistance is coming. And so he's not discouraged. He's not even taken off guard by that. You look back into even the thought of, hey, he knows Judas is going to betray him. He knows one that he's trusting is going to be there at the end and be what other people would say is his downfall, but he knows that resistance, that uh, constant affliction by an adversary is part of what God has in store for him. And so we should be encouraged if we're experiencing that as we are living our lives in response to God and the way in which he's revealed himself to us. So as we do each time in our podcast, we want to answer a question here about this passage. And you've centered our focus here on the concept of resistance. So I want us to think about what is it that causes people to resist the gospel or to resist Jesus. So we see the resistance here. It's something that's continued in our day. We know that God has revealed himself to all people uh, through creation, through many different things, through the general revelation, as well as the special revelation of his scriptures. So why is it that there's still resistance to Jesus, to the gospel, and to what God is trying to do here in our world? Well, yeah. Thanks for that question. It's a it's a doozy of a question, but I think it's a good question because what we have to be reminded of is like when we're thinking about God that He's on this display is like you referred to. It talks about in Romans one, like for His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. And so, even as you look outside, like you see all these things are again putting God's character on display, but yet man doesn't actually interpret it correctly or even heed it because you look at the next verse for all they though they knew god they did not honor him as god or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened and i think that's where we have to be reminded just our state as man i I think sometimes we underestimate the spiritual depravity separation that we have from god the fact that Really, when you talk about um, our depravity, Ephesians 4 is a great example. He talks about all the characteristics in 17 through 19 of Ephesians 4, where it just gives a, this plain description of depravity. Man, we're, we're futile in our thinking, we're hardened hearts, we're uh, fallen, deceitful desires. Like all these things are true about us. And so that's where it's like when you, Christ actually comes on the scene and he's being resisted. Is because he is the light. He is God manifested in the flesh. And so you see like all these man-made things. Well, they've followed after other things. They've set up rules. They've set up laws or they've gone after pleasures. And Christ comes on the scene who is God and starts to really infiltrate people's lives and really brings the truth and love, manifests that to them. And of course, there's going to be resistance because we don't desire it. We don't love it. And until really Christ does a transformation in our life, there's not going to be an understanding of this. And so when you talk about with people about who Christ is, uh, talk about like what he did and then talk about like what he expects, like all those things, you should expect resistance and not just resistance from unbelievers. Like they're going to reject it because until they come to belief, but even believers 
uh, do it. And one of the great things about ministry that I get to do is a lot of soul care ministry. And that's where you see, like, even when I'm giving counsel, counsel from God's word, counsel from where people say, yes, I believe in the Bible. I believe what in Christ. I believe what, and I need to follow what Christ says is that when I actually give that counsel, there's resistance to it. And that shows just the nature of sin and how it's infiltrated to our, into our lives and how we are very quick to go to the direction of the flesh or go the ways that feel good or like even uh, talk about just the avenues to comfort. And we actually miss the opportunities to please and glorify God. And the fact is, is we all are struggling in that. And so we have to be reminded like as we live life, see the areas of resistance in our own life to what God's word says. But then also when we go out and we faithfully proclaim, faithfully live, is that the world is going to hate it. They don't want anything to do with God. They reject him. And so we are going to face the same resistance, the same rejection, the same way, which can be hard because it will come from people that you love. It comes from people that you're friends with. It comes from popular crowds, maybe, or uh, the team you play on. Like There's going to be resistance from every area. But what's great is that you can stand firm on the fact of who Christ is. You can trust him. You can walk in these things and just see um, how he will ultimately work in that to give you joy, give you peace, give you comfort when you're obeying and the world is actually causing it resistance or even hardship into your life. Man, that's good, Chad. I, I just love how you put grace on display and center it back to our focus. And so I think easily when we get resistance in our life, it's easy to become frustrated. Um, but we need to understand, but but for the grace of God, we would be in the same spot. We would be doing the same thing, resisting. And so to not be lashing out at that resistance, but humbly accepting that we have areas of resistance in our own life that we have to deal with. And while it might not be the same as the hardened resistance that we're seeing in these other people's lives, that we need God in our lives, opening up our eyes to the blindness that we have in the same way that he needs to open up the eyes of these other people who are blind. And that we faithfully walk forward, continuing to proclaim the gospel, continuing to represent Christ and all we do so that these people have the greatest opportunity possible to respond to the truth of the gospel on display in their lives as we interact with them. So just like every day, we want you to find your own question that you seek an answer for. Share that answer and share what you're learning with other people and know as you do that today, you were loved. You're